Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. What do you think of when you hear that your name is you know, favorite for the most valuable player in the league? Uh, that this team, we're doing the, uh, the, doing the right thing. Uh, we're winning games. Uh, first and foremost, I mean, as, as I've talked about, what I play for is at the, at the end of the year, one of the last teams and being the last team standing. Um, but obviously, if my name's in, in those uh, those talks, then, then we're putting ourselves in the right spot. So uh, for me, it's about continuing to do whatever I can to, to put this team in the best position, get that guy the ball, uh, and, just, and just win games, and the rest will take care of itself. Nowadays, so much ink is spilled and oxygen is consumed and money is wagered on this question of MVP. Chris and I were talking about this earlier in the week, Peter. This year, it really is kind of a wide-open free-for-all. You've articulated very well in the past the idea that Dak Prescott gets a boost from his tenure in the NFL, from the fact that he plays for the Cowboys. We see him all the time. Could he win the MVP even if the Cowboys aren't the one seed? Hell, could he win the MVP even if they don't win the division? It just feels extremely wide open with four weeks left. And the way Dak has played over the past five, six weeks has made him into a very viable candidate for the MVP. And clearly the Cowboys are viable. The the, the test comes now, though. Can you do it on the road? They play so well at home. Can they take it on the road against playoff caliber teams starting with Buffalo and continuing next weekend in Miami. Look, we'll know about Dak Prescott's candidacy for MVP. I asked him about it Sunday night, midnight after their game. And he admitted to me, yes, he does think about it. Who wouldn't want to win the MVP? But, but to me, it's all going to be written in the next 16 days. At Buffalo, at Miami, Detroit at home, period. There's no, I mean, that's why a lot of what we do when we talk about the MVP, like I saw somebody this week, okay, I'm convinced, I'm voting for Tyreek Hill. I mean, how do you say that with four weeks to go? How how do you say that? The only time, there's one time to vote for the MVP, one time. Okay? And that is after the last game of the season, after the 17th game of the season. Now, I will say, I think Tyreek Hill's candidacy was helped immensely by the Monday night game because you saw how wounded the Miami offense was when Tyreek Hill went out of the game in the first quarter, in the first half, whatever that was. I think it was the first quarter. And and they weren't the same offense. It's clear that at least to me, as much as I think Tua is doing a great job, I think the most valuable player on that offense is Tyreek Hill. Now, having said all that, I also think that the reason you don't know what's going to happen yet is that there's so much football left to be played a quarter of the season. And in a quarter of the season, 
players' fortunes will rise, will fall, and it's going to be a lot more clear on January 9th than it is right now. And the last thing I would say about this, I've read all kinds of opinions about the MVP, and I just want people to remember one thing, okay? And I've heard people say, well, you know, if Tyreek Hill has a 2,000-yard season for the first time, he's got to get it, doesn't he? It's not called the most outstanding player or the player of the year. It's called the most valuable player. Which player is the most valuable player to his team in the NFL? And that is how you have to try to divine this. That's how you have to thread whatever needle you want to thread. If you think that Brock Purdy is one of 20 guys who could be doing what he's doing in San Francisco, first of all, you're crazy. But if you think that, then you're not going to vote for Brock Purdy and you're going to vote for another guy. But it's going to take, in my opinion, fairly extraordinary circumstances, uh, which are possible this year because of, in my opinion, because of Tyreek Hill. Fairly extraordinary circumstances to not vote for a quarterback because quarterbacks, by the nature of the position, are the most valuable players on their team, almost exclusively. So we'll see what happens, but plenty of time, and Dak Prescott is going to write his story in the next 16 days. You know, you touch on a a very interesting wrinkle. Even if we focus on the word valuable, there are different ways that you can interpret valuable. And that's part of the fun of it. What is an MVP? What does it mean to be MVP? Is it the guy most responsible for the success of the best teams in the NFL, AFC, NFC, one seed, one seed? That's kind of what it's become. And as you've said, it's typically the quarterback. I had somebody make the argument the other day, and it's kind of comical, but at the same time, value, well, look at how much they pay Dak Prescott, and look at how much they pay Brock Purdy. If we want to talk about value, if we, if we want to talk about bargain, Brock Purdy is one hell of a bargain under the rookie slotted contract as the last player off the board in the 2022 draft. That's valuable. And you and I know <laughs> it it's is. not like... The, the, the AP doesn't send out a, a glossary of what these terms mean. Comeback player of the year, who knows what that means. Most valuable player, there is some play in the joints there. And you're right, Tyree Kill's absence on Monday night demonstrated his value. Now, if he misses a game and throws himself off track for 2,000 yards, he's still on pace. But if he doesn't set the single-season receiving yardage record that Calvin Johnson established in 2012, or if he doesn't get to 2000, if the Dolphins aren't the one seed. Hell, they still may lose the division to the Bills, the way things are playing out. Week 18 could very well be Bills-Dolphins for the AFC East crown. But he's clearly more valuable than Tua Tonga-Vailoa. That's the one team that you can point to and say without question. If this team achieves greatness, Tyree Kill is more responsible for it than Tua Tonga-Vailoa. But to your point, the answer becomes, it may not be obvious but it's more obvious once the hay's in the barn. Yeah, and Mike, look, this is why whenever we talk about the most valuable player, whenever I'm in the Hall of Fame room voting, I never ever, I used to do this. I used to do this. Uh, If somebody would vote for, I remember the year that Chad Pennington got four votes, I think, for MVP, And I just said, oh, come on, stop. And I forget, maybe it was a Manning year. I I forget exactly. But, But anyway, I don't do that anymore. You know why? Because your opinion, the guy who is the columnist in Chicago or Seattle or the beat guy in, in Carolina or what, what, whatever, whatever. Everybody's opinion is valid. And I don't have, I don't corner the market on an opinion. My opinion is not right at all. I view it as, okay, this is who I'm voting for. And here's the reason I'll always defend my votes for MVP, for the hall of fame, for whatever, 
I will always defend my votes. And if you disagree, that's fine. I totally accept that. If the disagreement is based on logic and not just anger, the only, the only disagreements that I don't like, I remember I once had a coach who called me because I had written about my opinion on MVP, and I don't want to talk about who it was publicly, but I wrote about my opinion on the MVP in this one year. And this coach called me and just blistered me for saying that this guy should be the MVP and not his player. And I just said, listen, John Doe, I respect you and thank you for calling me. And I really do respect you for calling me because you could have just walked around the office and say, F Peter King, he's an idiot, doesn't know what he's talking about. But you had <laughs> the, the, the goodness, quite honestly, to call me and to say it to my face, in my ear, in the phone. So I, I definitely, I tr- I'm not just saying it. I appreciated that. It meant a lot to me. But I said, if you didn't coach this guy, you wouldn't be calling me right now. Would you be calling me about the quarterback of the Indianapolis Colts or the, or the New York Giants if, if, if he deservedly was the MVP? No. You're calling me because you're defending your guy. I appreciate that. But I'm thinking of 32 teams. I'm not thinking of your team. And so, but, but anyway, the thing I would say is he could have been right. He very well could have been right. But that's just how I do it. Speaking of opinions, you have an opinion you'd like to share on the opinion that was expressed this week by former NFL MVP Cam Newton. And he mentioned three of the quarterbacks that we've discussed in this segment, Dak Prescott, Tua Tagovailoa, and Brock Purdy. Said Cam Newton on his podcast, Fourth and One, this week, of Purdy, Prescott, Tua, and Jared Goff, these are game managers They're not difference makers. We haven't discussed this at all on PFT Live. I wrote something about it last night because Purdy was asked the question point blank by reporters yesterday, are you a game manager? And he basically said, I'm not going to comment on that. I'm just trying to win football games, and we'll see where it goes. Peter, what are your thoughts on the former MVP taking some shots at three of the guys who are finalists for this year's MVP? As soon as I heard that, I just had one thought in my head, and I'm writing it in my column on Monday. Hey, Cam, what was Tom Brady? (laughs) Really, what was he? He was no electric player who ran for a thousand yards. He didn't run for a thousand inches. And and when things like this are said, I, I immediately come back to what exactly is the role of the quarterback? The role of the quarterback in most offenses in the NFL is to be John Stockton. It's to distribute the ball to the open players. And in some cases, it's to run too. Uh, and to, to be dangerous with your legs. But if, if you're not dangerous with your legs, you can still win seven Super Bowls. And, or six Super Bowls, whatever it is Brady won. But seven. But, but my feeling is this is not a one-size-fits-all game. It's not a one-size-fits-all league, and it certainly isn't a one-size-fits-all position. If I have Justin Fields as my quarterback, I want him out on the edge, and I want him to threaten defenses with his legs. If I have Brock Purdy, you stay in the pocket, and you kill people, and you have the biggest, highest yards-per-average attempt in the last 65 years in the NFL. Is that is is there something wrong with Brock Purdy playing football that way? Let me just say that one other thing about Purdy and for people who continue to say, eh, he's just a guy. Every time Brock Purdy throws a football, he whether he completes the pass or not, on average, he is earning a first down for the San Francisco 49ers. What does 9.9 yards per attempt mean? It means that every time he throws the ball, he averages a first down. He averages 10 yards. So so tell me, I am dying to know, Cam Newton and others, what's wrong with that? Why criticize somebody? Because that's in essence what you're doing. 
you're saying, well, these guys don't run. They, they aren't great athletes. So there's something missing with them. And I would say this is the offense that, that their coaches choose to run. And they're winning. And right now, who's the best team in football? Right now, if you polled every fan in America, what team would win? The San Francisco 49ers. Quarterback by the 262nd player in the draft. I mean, you can say whatever you want about how he's just a guy. He is not that great. He's just okay. Watch the games. Watch him distribute the ball and then say, I'd rather have somebody else than him. That's fine, but I, I just I think it's all insane. The whole the whole thing about criticizing quarterbacks because they play within an offense is insane. The term game manager is inherently pejorative, and it implies to me this is a guy that we're just counting on not to screw it up. We have all the other pieces around him. That's right. We just need a guy who doesn't throw a bunch of interceptions. System quarterback, in my opinion, is not an insult because there are all different sorts of systems. And what Kyle Shanahan has finally found after spinning the wheel and spinning the wheel and spinning the wheel and swinging and missing and giving up three first-round picks plus for Trey Lance, who isn't even on the team anymore – He's finally found the guy who can run his system to perfection. It's not an easy system to run. There's a lot of running. There's a lot of short passes. He's not putting 9.9 air yards on every throw, but he's making that system work like no one has. Joe Montana was a system quarterback. He ran the system incredibly well. I just think that, look, there's a certain amount of bitterness that is going to be natural to a guy like Cam Newton in a year when there's been more than 50 starting quarterbacks and his phone didn't ring once. I can understand why he's feeling a little miffed. The kind of quarterback he's talking about, and there aren't many like them, and we're going to talk about one of them here in a second, it's the guy who, when the play that the system calls for falls apart, what can he do with his body, with his arm, running around, tucking it and taking off like Cam Newton would do? doing what Josh Allen does, doing what Patrick Mahomes does. That's kind of what he's talking about. There's only a few guys that can play like that. When the system breaks down and you're abandoned, what do you do? And I mentioned Josh Allen. Let's hear from Michael Parsons on the challenge of tackling a guy like Josh Allen, which Parsons will be facing on Sunday in Buffalo. Yeah, Josh just don't really believe in sliding. You know – Josh reminds me a lot of that one crazy guy at the frat. Like, I probably would have hated to be a, with Josh at, in college, uh-huh. the one that, you know, make his friends get all the way drunk and you just be, oh, man, I hate going out with this guy. Like, like, you know, he just does anything, you know. So he's that wild dude on the field, man. Like, he wants to dip his shoulder. He's going to talk trash. He's going to get rowdy. You shoot the beer pong and he aced the cup. It is on and popping. Like, you know, Josh is, you know, I would love to have a bar grill out with Josh for sure, you know. Just not this week, though. Just not this week. Just not this week. That's funny. I'm thinking of John Belushi in Animal House. Josh Allen's the guy who would bash a guitar, pour mustard on his chest, uh, (laughs) drink a whole bottle of booze. But but he does have that attitude when he plays. Michael Parsons is good for football. (laughs) Oh, he's great. He's great. He's awesome. And he he understands the business side, the football (laughs) side. But, you know, I think now that the Bills have kind of found something – at a time when everyone had given up on them, this is when you let Josh Allen go. Let him go do his thing. Throw caution to the wind. This is the ultimate opportunity for him to really take the team and carry it as far as he can. All they have to do is make up one game on the Dolphins between now and Week 18. And Week 18, Bills at Dolphins, is for the division championship. That would have been inconceivable a couple of weeks ago. But Parsons is right. Allen is special. Allen isn't a game manager. He isn't a system quarterback. He's a guy who bends the system into whatever his skills allow. And I think it's for Allen and the Bills to fully embrace that if they want to get to the playoffs this year, Peter. Hey, look, this this is in the next four weeks. I don't care what anybody says about Josh Allen and how they don't don't want to have him as the quarterback on their team, turns it over too much, whatever. Again, I feel like we're watching different games. 
I think Josh Allen is even with his penchant for sometimes, sometimes being careless with the ball. I still think he's an absolutely a top five NFL quarterback. He's incredibly dangerous. And in the next four weeks, I think Josh Allen, it's it's incumbent upon him to put this team on his back and to do everything in his power, especially now with some of the injuries on that defense, Mike. It's incumbent on him to basically put this team on his back and to say, guys, you know, this is like in the games when when Michael Jordan at the end of the game, and again, look, this is, I'm not saying he is football's version of Michael Jordan. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that sometimes the leader of the team needs to say, for the best interest of this team, just give me the ball and I'll handle it. Michael Jordan used to do that at the end of games. I think Josh Allen needs to do that over the next four weeks. And the one other thing I would say about the Bills, Mike, isn't it amazing right now that there are six teams in the NFL that are seven in the AFC, excuse me, six teams in the AFC that are seven and six. And these six teams range from sixth in the playoff seedings to 11th. And I would argue that the sixth seed Pittsburgh is the worst of those six and the 11th seed, Buffalo, is the best of those six. And as of today, obviously, you know, <laughs> Pittsburgh would make the playoffs. Buffalo wouldn't. And that's why there are four more games to separate the wheat from the chaff. And we'll see. Hey, the Bills are sixth in our power rankings this week. And if you look at the teams seven and below, you can't make the argument that they should be ahead of the seven and six Bills, even as the number six team in football. Right. One last point. We showed the odds earlier for MVP. 20 to one right now for Josh Allen. If he does what he needs to do, and if they win that division. Run the table. Josh Allen becomes the name. (laughs) If they run the table, if they run the table and also smash through a few tables in the process, Josh Allen, if we want to talk about value, MVP, it's him. There's a good chance he'd get my vote if that happens, but we'll see. All right, let's take a break. When we return, a week 15 preview. Go ahead, Peter. No, you go ahead, Mike. All I was going to say is that's why you don't commit your vote to the MVP till after 18 weeks. All right, we take a break. When we return, we're going to go into overdrive because, as usual, We have been talking a little too much in the first two segments. Five segments to go and 42 minutes. We will get through them because the show does end at the top of this hour. We'll be back with our Dogs of the Week. (laughs) What a bummer. I don't want it to end. Let's go on forever. (laughs) Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Matthew Stafford playing like an ellipsis. Dots after dots after dots. Not gonna lie, ellipsis. What? I mean, explain that meaning to me. There, that's that's above my pay grade right there. Well, well, 
if you'd gone to class at Texas, inevitably you would have learned about the ellipsis, which is the punctuation device that is three periods, Professor Peter King. Where did we get that picture from? What is he doing there? I think it's a very early Peter King picture that we use from time to time because of the awesome, the awesome, not quite Chia Pet. Yeah. But it's 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 an indicative of the 70s. <laughs> that is great well done that might be the best (laughs) that's great okay so when was that photo taken that photo was taken very early in my career with the cincinnati inquirer and that would have been like 1980 because I had a giant fro from my junior year in high school <laughs> till about, I'd say, 82 or 83. And then I was convinced by others, hey, uh, dude, would you actually sort of cut your hair so you don't look like Bozo the Clown? So uh, I did. Bozo? That. I think it was around 82. Who's that Bozo? Got, that it got reasonably length. I see that picture, and I think you were like one of the actors on The Paper Chase. Remember that with John Houseman? You looked like you were on the set of The Paper Chase for that. Yeah. Hey, great. It's great. It's very perfect. It's a reflection of the times. That hair, that hair, if you could grow it, you did it back in the 70s. My 1974 uh, picture in the Enfield High School yearbook is a picture of me wearing red, white, and blue bell bottoms. So don't you forget it, Mike Florio. I was one hip dude back in the day. (laughs) All right. Well, we're going to be hip dudes now because we're going to give you our dog of the week. Please don't rely on our advice if you're actually going to wager your own money. But there are the spreads, courtesy of DraftKings Sportsbook. Peter, who do you like who is getting points to either win or to cover? Denver Broncos. I have started to be a little bit less faithful in the Detroit Lions. I still like the Lions, but man, their defense is showing signs of wear. And I think the Broncos come in, they're not afraid of anything. And Mike, I'll just tell you one other thing about the Broncos. How about Cortland Sutton? He's one guy who we do not talk about enough. This guy has ascended into the into top five receiver in the NFL mode, always makes these one-handed great catches at huge moments. And I think the Denver Broncos are going to go in there on Saturday night, at least cover, but have a good chance to win that game. We talk about him all the time. We say he's good for one of those every week. Every week there's a Cortland Sutton moment. Some great catch, great. great throw too by Russell Wilson great. every week. Think about this. We were having this conversation one week ago today. You also picked the Broncos, who were somehow getting two and a half points against the team that lost 63-21 to last night. I thought it was a trap. How in the hell were the Chargers favored? These Chargers (laughs) that we saw last night, how were they favored to beat the Broncos five days ago? It's unbelievable to me. I also believe in the Broncos this weekend. I'm going to go a little bit different. I'm not picking them to win, but I do think that the New England Patriots will cover the eight-point spread against the Chiefs. And it was seven and a half yesterday, so people apparently believe in the Chiefs. They think they're going to get this thing right. I don't know about that. I think Bill Belichick, with that defense, going against Patrick Mahomes, who doesn't have Tyreek Hill, who doesn't have a great array of weapons. All they have to do is neutralize Travis Kelsey, and they can slow that, that Kansas City offense down, and maybe they can outscore the Chiefs, or at least keep it within eight points. I don't think they're going to win but I do think they'll keep it within eight points. All right, don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $150 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the app and use the promo code PFTLive when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. When we return, a preview of the Sunday Night Football showdown between the Jaguars and the Ravens. Who will win that one? That's next here on PFT Live. The ankle feeling this week feels good. Yeah, it's it's feeling it's feeling better. You know, thankfully I made it out of the game pretty clean. You know, didn't didn't reaggravate it or, or really um, you know mess it up anymore. So I feel good and just trying to 
keep getting better every day. Hopefully it feels even better this week. And, uh, I mean, I was able to move around decent on Sunday, so that was, a, that was a positive. So try to keep that going. Unbelievable recovery skills by Trevor Lawrence. We saw him sprain a knee earlier this year. He didn't miss a beat. He had that awkward fall, stepped on, down to the ground, twisted up his ankle, looked like he twisted up his knee. Yeah. That long, slow walk to the x-ray room, refused to ride the cart. And he was back playing on Sunday, and he looked fine. And it appears he will be fine on Sunday night when the Ravens travel to Jacksonville. Huge game. This is elimination game as it relates to the Jaguars trying to get the top seed. They lose this when they're down three games with three to play, and they have the head-to-head tiebreaker lost to the Ravens. Ravens will take the one seed over the Jaguars if it comes down to it. But they win this one. Jaguars move to 9-5, and five. Ravens fall to 10-4, and four, and that one seed is still available, Peter. And you had the Jaguars pegged as the one seed before the season, and you were right. Their schedule was favorable. They've just hit a rough spot recently. They've lost two games. They could have won, maybe should have won. And instead of being 10-3 and three themselves, they're now 8-5. and five. It just shows you how just that one twist here, that one twist there can completely change the complexion of a team's playoff hopes. You know, it's so fragile, Mike, because, look, the fact that uh, Kadarius Tony lined up half a yard offside or a yard, whatever it was, basically, I believe, could very well decide the difference in who's who has home field in the AFC. Because, look, I don't know that Kansas City is going to recover and and make a run at it. But, I mean, if Kansas City's one game behind the Jags or, or, or one, you know, a game out of it, let's just say – you know, Kansas City would have won because of head-to-head having beaten the Jaguars in week two in Jacksonville. So, listen, this Bill Parcells used to say, man, God is playing in some of these games. And I think in this particular case, some of these games are so ridiculously hair-breadth close that that is what could very well determine home field in the AFC this year. And if the Ravens get it, they're going to earn it, Peter, because after Sunday night at Jacksonville, they are at San Francisco on Christmas night. Then they host the Dolphins and the Steelers to end the season. Tough, tough run. The toughest stretch by way of current winning percentage for any team at 654. 65.4%. Not easy at all. They they all have. They're all going to earn it. Whoever gets the one seed will have earned it. The Dolphins play... The Ravens and the Jaguars. The Chiefs have the easiest run, but they're two games behind the Ravens at this point. They're going to have a hard time gaining ground. I think it's going to be the Ravens, the Dolphins, and the Jaguars. And whether or not the Jaguars are going to be in it depends on Sunday night. You know, and the Jaguars, I think they have it in their hands, Mike, because I think if Jacksonville beats Baltimore this week, I, I still think Jacksonville's going to win home field. Because if you look at their schedule after that, it's the easiest in the last three weeks. And But this is going to be a very tough game for them, obviously, and not just because Baltimore has the, 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 the leading defense in the NFL in, in pass rush in sacks right now. It's also difficult because Jacksonville has struggled in these big, big games. And even in games where it looked like they had the big edge, at some point, you've got to stop people. And to allow Jake Browning to come into your stadium and to come and to do and to go 32 of 37, you know, in the first outstanding start of his life, I think that's why I have some skepticism about the Jags. But if they beat Baltimore Sunday night, I like them for home field. And beyond the Ravens, who I think are pretty much set to win the division, the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and the Jaguars, all three of those teams could end up wild cards. They could end up losing their divisions because they have teams closing in on them. The Broncos are closing in on the Chiefs. The Texans and the Colts are closing in on the Jaguars. And the Bills, as we said earlier, even though they're two games – no, they're – Yeah, they're two games back. They only need to make up one because if they would catch the Dolphins, they'd have the tiebreaker, beat them week 18, complete the season sweep. They win the division with the same record. So what a jumbled mess. And, 
you know, even though we're ready to hand the trophy to the 49ers, and if they stay healthy, they should win, a lot of jobs are going to be saved and lost, Peter, over the next four weeks. That's what a lot of this is about. You make the playoffs, you're back. You don't make the playoffs, maybe you're not back. Maybe as a quarterback, you're not back. Head coach, you're gone. This is going to be a mad scramble, and it's going to determine futures one way or the other for multiple different coaches, quarterbacks, other players, based on what happens these next four weekends. You know, Mike, if you look at the AFC West right now, Kansas City Chiefs could wake up in their hotel in New England, whether it be Providence, Boston, wherever it is they stay. They could wake up Sunday morning. And for those who are standings watchers, they could look at the standings and they could say, hmm, we're only a half game ahead of the Denver Broncos. I mean, if the Broncos win in Detroit, Kansas City will have a one-half game lead in the AFC West on December 17th. That, of all the crazy things that have happened in the NFL this year, that's in the top one. (laughs) And I look at the standings right now, and I look at sort of the playoff race, playoff races, and I love it at this time of year. Because something weird is going to happen. I don't know what it is, but something weird is going to happen. One of these teams that's below 500 now is going to rise up and make the playoffs. And so those are the things we just don't know right now. And it makes the last four weeks really worth watching. And if we think the MVP race is ultimately kind of a jumbled mess, coach of the year, holy crap, good luck with that one. And that one is one you don't even want to have the conversation about until we see where things end up because there will be candidates who rise and fall over the course of the next four weeks. All right, you mentioned the Chiefs possibly waking up on Sunday, only a half game ahead of the Broncos. We're going to focus on that Saturday night game, Denver at Detroit. Can the Lions get back on track? We'll discuss it next here on PFT Live. Look, he goes without saying, I got a tremendous amount of respect for Sean. and everything about him, and uh, and 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 probably the greatest compliment I can give to him is that he believed in me always, and he gave me that shot as a player and a coach. I don't know how long I've been in this league over 20 years, um, but you know, you're talking about eight as a player, five as a coach. I mean, that that's my career has been with him, and so I see football the way he sees. That's what I learned. That's how I learned. Um, for the most part, between he and then the time I spent with Coach Parcells, which heavily influenced Coach Payton as well. It's a great hidden storyline for this game, and it's not all that hidden if you follow the NFL. Sean Payton and Dan Campbell been together a long time, and now they square off for the first time with both as head coaches, although I don't know. Did the Lions and the Saints play in Campbell's first year in Detroit and Payton's last year in New Orleans? Maybe they did. This one, though, has significant stakes. Broncos trying to win their division. Lions trying to hold on. Lions have had a rough go. It's amazing they've gone two and two the last four games, Peter, because the last four games they have not been the same team that they were earlier this year, and they could have lost all four of those games instead of split them. Well, going back five games, the Detroit Lions, who had been playing good defense up to that point this year, starting with the opener in Kansas City where they really held Patrick Mahomes in check. The last five games, they have given up at least 26 points in every game, and that includes two against the Chicago Bears, who obviously you don't consider to be the 27 Yankees in terms of firepower. So this is a game that, in my opinion, I I, when we we always do the show me something, And I thought of doing Show Me Something Aaron Glenn, the Lions defensive coordinator. You're facing a very imaginative offense with Sean Payton, a quarterback who's who's gotten his career back on the right track in Russell Wilson, a great receiver in Cortland Sutton, a really good running back in Javante Williams. Huge, huge test for the Detroit Lions. And Jared Goff, you know, That was the fourth name that Cam Newton mentioned, quarterbacks who are game managers. 
And of the four, Goff is the closest to that definition of just don't screw it up. We've got the pieces in place. Just don't screw it up. Montez Sweat, the Bears defensive end, told me after Chicago beat Detroit on Sunday, they just wanted to get the third down. See, because when it's third down, whose job is it to move the chains? It's the quarterback's job. If they could get the third down, they were confident they could stop the Lions. And Goff had... Initially, two more turnovers on Sunday. It later became three because the fumble that was originally charged at the center was later changed and charged to him. So he's got nine turnovers in the last four games. That's not the way for him to get a new contract in Detroit. That's not the way for him to hold off Hendon Hooker or somebody else next year. That may be the end result of this season. They've decided this guy can get us to a certain point, but if we want to go higher, we got to go better at the quarterback position it's up to him. Four games left. Prime time. Everyone's watching on Saturday night. Can he play better against the Broncos' defense, which has gotten a lot better than it was in week three when it gave up 70 points to the Dolphins, Peter? You know, Mike, the Broncos have been turning over opposing offenses as well. And Goff and the Lions' offense have turned it over 10 times in the last four games. So this that's one more reason to say that... Look, unless the Lions turn it around and play a lot better, which has been uncharacteristic of them on defense, uh, and, and they don't turn it over as much, I mean, Denver has a heck of a shot to get within a half game of the Kansas City Chiefs on Saturday night at Ford Field. Great lineup of games on Saturday and plenty of great games on I Sunday. So when too. we return, Impressive. we broaden the lens, and it's and, and we, will, we will issue our challenges as we do every Friday to the various individuals, coaches, whoever. They need to step up and show us something. That's the draft, and we'll do it next year on PFT Live. Well, this is some Pulitzer-level reporting from Entertainment Tonight. Travis Kelsey noticeably absent. <laughs> it's actually 35th birthday celebration. They need to fact-check that. 35. 34, it is 34. Okay, we fact-checked our fact-checking. It's 34. Source tells ET that Travis remains committed to playing his best and doing his best on and off the field. Team practices are critical, mandatory to attend, and something he takes very seriously. So it's no surprise he stayed in Kansas City. Yeah, the game was Wednesday. The practice was Wednesday. The party was Wednesday. So uh, it's, it's just funny to see non-football, people who know nothing about football learning some of the most basic stuff. When you're a professional football player, you have to be at work on Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday. So, so there's no there's no trouble in paradise. Could you imagine, Mike? Hey, Mike, Mike, just imagine, just imagine if the pro, if the paparazzi at eight thirty on Wednesday night spied Travis Kelsey walking into wherever this party was. Can you imagine? the hubbub, and can you imagine when he walked into practice the next day what Andy Reid would have said to him? I'll tell you what he would have said to him. Hey, listen, our team is in flames right now. We're two and four in the last six. We don't need you gallivanting off to your girlfriend's birthday party uh, a thousand miles away. Anyway, he got he got He got criticized. He got criticized by some for going to Brazil during his bye week. That's his time off. Oh and there are people who That's were giving insane. him a hard time about that. So anyway, insane. anyway, it's time to show me something this weekend, not including Kadarius Tony showing that he can line up properly, although maybe that's one of Peter's choices. Either way, he's up. Show me something Jalen Hurts. And look, I maintain, and I've said it since the start of the season, I think Jalen Hurts is a top three NFL quarterback. He's going through a rough patch. And... Sometimes you go through a rough patch as a quarterback. You're never perfect all the time. Happened to Montana, happened to Brady, happened to everybody. But in Seattle on Monday night, Jalen Hurts has to be better than the 60% passer he's been in the last three weeks. He's got to be more dynamic, got to use his legs a little bit against a really good defense. So show me something, Jalen Hurts. Go to Seattle and make sure that your team resumes what should be a Super Bowl contending season. Show me something, Mike Tomlin. The Steelers made the worst kind of history last week. The first team ever above 500 to lose back-to-back games to teams that were eight games or more below 500, and they did it at home 
just four days apart, Sunday and Thursday, to the Cardinals and the Patriots. They've had nine days to get ready for this one in Indianapolis, and you've got people like Ben Roethlisberger suggesting the Steelers' era is over. It's bad coaching. This is the time for Mike Tomlin to reestablish himself. If he can, I don't know. We'll find out when they go to Indianapolis on Saturday. The Steelers are the sixth seed at seven and six. The Colts are the seventh seed at seven and six. One of them is going to slide into the in the hunt category after Saturday. The Steelers can't afford to do it. If they're ever going to reestablish themselves, they have to do it on Saturday afternoon in Indianapolis. Show me something as the captain of that ship that is currently sinking in the confluence of the Allegheny, the Monongahela, and the Ohio. Show us something, Mike Tomlin. Mike, I think that's perfect, and I'm just kicking myself I didn't use it because the Steelers, the house is on fire, and Tomlin needs to put it out, and now. Show and me not something. not urinate on it. And I'm, gonna, I'm going to issue a sort of a team show me something. And I want the Detroit Lions to show me something. And I don't mean to, to gloss over golf or anything or the turnovers or whatever. But there's a lot of people in the Detroit Lions who need to show us something. Aaron Glenn in that defense. Aiden Hutchinson, come out and dominate. Jared Goff, protect the football. Play well in a game you have to win. Now, you're probably almost certainly going to make the playoffs. But it's not about if you told a Detroit Lions fan right now, hey, you're going to make the playoffs. Hooray. You're going to get a home game. Hooray. Not good enough. That would be huge disappointment to the Detroit Lions. Begin to turn it around Saturday night on national television against the Denver Broncos. Show us something, Detroit Lions. And this is a team that had the table set for the one seed, for the one seed. And now they yeah. have to worry about possibly losing the division to the Vikings. Okay, show me something to Otonga Bailoa. We talked about him earlier. If Tyree Kill doesn't play on Sunday against the Jets, and Hill has missed practice both days this week, Wednesday and Thursday, he'll get designation later today. Let's assume he's not going to play or he's not going to be 100% or anywhere close to it. It's on Tua to show that he can carry that offense against a great Jets defense that has been buoyed by the fact that its offense woke up in the second half of last week's game against the Texans and scored 30 points. The Jets are coming in to Miami with a nothing-to-lose swagger. Zach Wilson said it himself this week. What are they going to do, bench me again? So they have something that was flickered on Sunday against the Texans, and now the Dolphins are reeling after losing at home on Monday night. And without Tyreek Hill, whose value will be proven by his absence, it's up to Tua to make it happen to move the ball and score enough points to avoid the losing streak from striking two and opening the door potentially for the Bills to take them out as AFC East champions. We'll take a break when we return. Round three of the Week 15 Show Me Something draft. We'll be right back. There are the picks so far for Week 15 Show Me Something. Round three begins now. Peter King is up. Show me something, Joe Flacco. So the story is wonderful. It's very cute. Flacco comes off his couch. He's won a couple of games. Uh, he basically has helped the, uh, or, or he's, won, he's won one game, excuse me. And he's basically solidified the quarterback position and made it possible for the Cleveland Browns to make the playoffs when everybody thought, oh, my God, they're going to go down in flames after losing Watson and, and all this other stuff. But it's gone from being a cute story to now being a story that, okay, you've thrown five touchdowns in two weeks. You've played well. You haven't played great. You've played well, okay? And right now, to me, the last month of this season, the Cleveland Browns have it right in front of them. You tell me. Here's the four-game stretch. Chicago at home, at Houston, Jets at home, at Cincinnati. You tell me, and they got they totally have Cincinnati's number over the years, and now Burrow's not playing. So you tell me, are there any of those games they can't win? No. Joe Flacco, you've got to win three of the last four and send the Cleveland Browns into the playoffs. So show me something this week against the Bears. 
Show me something Baker Mayfield. And I say this in an aspirational way. I spoke to him after their win against the Falcons on Sunday. He returns to Lambeau Field. This is the game they used to call the Bay of Pigs, the Bucks at the Packers back in the 80s when they were horrible and they played each other twice per year. But it was two years ago on Christmas Day that Baker Mayfield and the Browns went to Lambeau Field and Mayfield had four interceptions in a game the Browns lost by only two points. This time around, the Buccaneers have their playoff fortune in their hands. They run the table. They win the division. They need to steal this one from the Packers, who are desperate to turn it around after losing on Monday night at New York. It is not going to be easy, but this is the opportunity for Mayfield, who is a fighter and who has proven that he has a place in the NFL. He wants to stay in Tampa. The best way to convince the people in Tampa Bay to keep him on the Buccaneers next year win the division and start that process by going to Lambeau Field in that historic venue and taking out the Green Bay Packers. Peter, and we're done with our draft with 45 seconds to spare. Final thoughts from you. Mike, Mike, I was just going to say that if we had a fourth round, I'd say, show me something Jordan Love. Played an awful game Monday night. He's got to come back and do well in the reincarnation of the Bay of Pigs. Chris Berman's Packers just won many great game games. of all time. Absolutely. Uh, plenty of great games on Sunday. Remember, three games on Saturday. It all ends Monday night with the Eagles traveling to face the Seahawks. We'll have you updated all weekend long at profootballtalk.com. Thanks, as always, for some of your time. We'll see you back here again Monday morning. Dogs are an important part of our lives. That means protecting them from parasites. Ask your vet about NextGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and pyrantal chewable tablets. NextGuard Plus Chews provide one-and-done monthly protection against fleas, ticks, heartworm disease, roundworms, and hookworms. Plus, they're delicious and easy to give. Use with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurologic disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting a preventive. Ask about NextGuard Plus Chews. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand.